prologue episode of Gurkmo tries Final Fantasy fourteen series. <laughs> like the prologue series, me the podcast series is Gurkmo tries Final Fantasy fourteen. Is what I mean. But what if I don't? Oh, don't worry, you will. What makes you so sure? Because I'm not going to give you a choice. Okay, how it works. Is our question? Just uh, force the person to try what you want to try. The reason you still have your head without trying FF14 yet is because I feel particularly benevolent. Or benevolent? (laughs) Benevolent. Benevolent. (laughs) Benevolent. Listen, I might not be as edumacational as you. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everyone. This is Day One Update. Oh, were you recording the full time? Yes, I was. (laughs) All right. (laughs) My uh, benevolence and my edumacational skills are on record. Yes, they are. Wonderful. This whole time, this whole time. Everyone knows how smart Gozar actually is now. Yes, my, uh, my... Deliberate way of talking and being very careful with my world is just a mask because otherwise I'm going to be talking like an aminimal. A what? An aminimal. <laughs> okay, okay. Aminimal. Yes. Sense. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everyone. This is Day One Update. My name is Kirkoma and I'm joined by here, Gulsar. Your one and only friend. One and only friend. He is now fi- officially back. We felt bad for letting him go, so we brought him back for one more episode yes. to give him another chance. Yeah, I and mean, now Air isn't here, so yeah, kind of rotating through hosts this time, except for me. <laughs> I mean, not having a really good retention rate. If I'm being perfectly honest, Gurkmal. I know. I there's something a, about the work-life balance. There's some level of turnover that uh, you got to analyze. And I got to do something about that. Maybe, maybe I should give some uh, actual like. Like water and some food for you guys. Yeah, be, yeah. The, he doesn't feed us. He doesn't let us have water. He just I, he just keeps us in a, a like a little cage in the basement. I message them twenty minutes before we have to record. Be like, show up at my house, and then I just sit them on the chair, and then we start recording, and then that's how it goes. I have not seen sunlight in thirty-two days since our last recording. Has it been thirty-two days? You haven't let me out in thirty-two days. <laughs> Even before we started doing our relaunch. You've been sitting in my basement waiting. Some of those might have been my choice. I have a lot of video games and shows to catch up on. Mm -hmm. Can't really watch it outside. But still. It would be be nice if you unlock the cage once in a while. (laughs) If you you let us, like, go to use your bathroom instead of going in the corner and, like, deal with it. It builds character. (laughs) Okay, 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 Calvin's dad. (laughs) All right. Uh, by the way, I apologize. I'm drinking some A&W sweet cream chocolate shake that they just announced. And I am trying to sip the last few drops of these A&W, uh, what is this, an ice latte and hot chocolate? Because we decided to try it because it's new? Yeah, so we uh, found out A&W has this m- fancy advanced machine that just makes some shakes it was actually yeah. pretty cool to watch. Me and Gozar were watching it for like five minutes straight, making like a couple of drinks. We're like, dang. So, so Arrow's actually at my place uh, yesterday helping with like soundbar stuff. And then we went to go get dinner. And AW was the only place that was open. And we were just like staring at the drink selection going like, this is new. What the hell? Mm-hmm. They kind of went too, a little too hard with this brand new stuff that they could be just trialing out for all we know. So... Yeah, uh, I can, I can, I can definitely confirm that it passes the very incredibly low bar that is it's better than Tim Hortons. 
That's a pretty low bar. It's not a low. It's not a bar. It's a floor. <laughs> it's a floor. It's a buff floor. <laughs> if you can make a passable drink, then you're 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 higher than you the you floor. you got you got chances in Canada. <laughs> you you got a future. You got a future here. <laughs> it was pretty cool. It was just like literally. I just I just imagine like a, a vat of water, but somebody accidentally drops a shoe in. It's like oh, oh no! It's like oh wow, <laughs> this is not bad. <laughs> Putting you right above Tim Hortons on the tier list. <laughs> hey, Tim Hortons is revolutionary for creating the ice cap. Tim Hortons is revolutionary for having so many spots on campus and having people like on university campuses just not having a choice. Yeah, exactly. You go to Tim Hortons because there is no other yeah. option. Uh, but yeah, like you said, ice cap is like the only thing on their menu that is actually not bad. Even, I mean, it'll kill you bad that way it's just it's just sugar basically yeah it's just a sugar drink with less liquid than sugar um and yeah it's not the worst of the type you remember coffee time yeah like do they even exist coffee time nearby here then it shut down is that was that the last one because i remember there was one by air's house in that at that mall and i remember that was the first time i had their version of ice cap Coffee Time is the one with like the purple yellow lettering or something. I and think like so. Yeah, yeah, basic font that just says Coffee Time. Something like that. Yeah, uh, okay. I'll, I'll look it up. But basically, they had a version of the ice cap that was literally just cold sand, like cold wet sand. <laughs> I've never thought about how I'm drinking ice cap and feeling like a texture of like like grains and sesame seeds or like gra- like grounded up. It was. Not good. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. No. <laughs> so okay, so there. Yes, Tim Hortons is the floor, mm-hmm. but there is a basement level that is coffee time, I suppose. <laughs> man, the A&W stuff was pretty good. Your ice latte is yes. like a dollar, and you said- I, I had like a decently sized ice latte, which is pretty good, mm-hmm. and it was only a dollar. We're not sponsored, but hey, if you want to give us some uh, money, we. You could definitely do with that A&W because uh, your Beyond Burgers are expensive as hell. Yeah, they are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, I wonder if we, do we have any American listeners because they must be going like, why do these people go to A&W? A&W in America suck. It's a different. Well, it was a different restaurant. They just say, say the name right. because like A&W is like top tier in Canada and are like I was, I was talking about this with the Air as well. Um, we both hate root beer, but we have an exception for A&W root beer because it's particularly good. However. Well, you like root beer because you like licorice, right? No, I don't like root beer at all. You don't? Uh huh. Okay. But you don't like the NW root beer either? Root beer would be fine. I just don't like that really strong aftertaste. Yes. I, I, I agree. And like a lot of other root beer is like, it just overpowers too much. Yeah. And it's like all you can really think about. Yeah, I, I don't generally like that. But NW root beer, I do actually like. Um, I generally don't go for it, but, you know, I do like it. Um, but apparently in America, it's like one of the worst. It's like, yeah, I I saw the menu for the American A and W, and I was like, this is completely different. Hmm. Like our menu actually looks a lot more appetizing than what they're like. All the advertising in Canada is like, hey, our our beef is like grass fed and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, I I just imagine the American A and W is like our beef made out of grass. <laughs> <laughs> we found this cow dead on the grass don't know how it died but it could have been grass fed <laughs> so we don't know <laughs> it was drinking out of this vat with a shoe in it 
We can promise it wasn't fed Tim Hortons. So, got that going for it. I got that going for it, at least. <laughs> but this machine they had, it was, like, pretty cool. They just put a cup in, and it just puts ice in, and then there's, like, a little progress. Yeah, there, there, there are two channels in that thing. So, this, this dispenser had two channels. There was... Uh, where the cup goes in yeah. and it fills the coffee up and then it slides to the left. And when it slides to the left chamber, the chamber gets closed off and then the right side that was pouring the drinks gets like car washed basically. Like yeah. there's a big hole spray. The thing that goes to make the shake comes down because the whole thing gets washed. And then when the drink is being made, the slider goes back to the right side and then the left side gets washed even though all that does is hold the drink. Yeah. It's kind of wild. It's crazy. You know, you know, the... the like, you know how, like, McDonald's always says, like, oh, yeah, our ice cream machine, like, is, like, they have to clean it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they say the ice cream yeah, machine, machine is broken, but in reality, it's generally, like, it's maintenance, or they have to clean it yeah. or whatever, and if they say, well, we're cleaning it, then a pair, um, uh, McDonald's customers are more likely to say, well, well, we'll either wait for you to finish cleaning it because we expect it to be done in five minutes, or can you just stop cleaning it and make my ice cream? Yeah. It's easier just to say it's broken, it's broken so they can get out of here. But this one just cleans itself. <laughs> Never, it'll never break. I mean, no, it, it, it will actually be more likely to break, but it will never break. <laughs> yeah, but man, that was pretty cool. It was like you know, like those videos from like long, like years ago. Like there's videos that come from Japan of these robots that just like make your drinks for you. Like I was just looking at it, like I was like, we're in the freaking future now, boys. <laughs> man, we've made it. We've made it, 2009, boys. <laughs> I, I I love. Hey. First episode without air, and your other guest, uh, uh, person to replace Gulzar last week, and uh, what? Ten minutes on this hyper-specific thing that will only, like, only people in our very immediate region will really understand. Like, I know coffee time, I know ice caps, man, NW smoothie machines. <laughs> This is their reaction when it was new, and now it's a, a long-standing tradition. Yeah, it's been we've been recording for about yeah about ten minutes. Oh my god, it's a pretty lengthy discussion <laughs> on A and W. So what other fast food? This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> oh 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 shit. <laughs> oh man. So before we actually started recording, Gozar. About like like ninety percent of the time I'm with Gozar, he tries to convince me to play Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh, we're talking about it on podcast. You're the one first one to bring it up, so we can talk about it legally now, right? Legally, we can legally talk about it because I'm not the one who brought it up now, right? Times are illegal. <laughs> I never brought it up on the podcast. I don't. Have I ever brought up FF fourteen on the podcast before? Maybe in passing, like when a new update came out, but I don't think we've ever really. Well, I I only really started playing in during our you know our hiatus. I don't think we. I don't think I was playing F14 when we were actually doing the regular recordings. Was I? I don't know. Otherwise, I would have been talking about it a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> like I realized I already talked about it a lot, a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's true. I don't. I don't remember ever talking about it. Yeah. Cause I, I started playing during pandemic. Um. Because that's when the PS5 beta client or whatever. That's when I started playing. Essentially. Yeah. Um. They announced, hey, PS5 beta client. Um. For F14, I'm like. Sure, I have a PS5 that's collecting dust, and I gotta have to use an excuse to play it. Might as well start. Mm-hmm. Technically, I've played it before you. I know, I convinced you to play it, no? Or did you play a little bit of it before? I played it when it first came out on PS3. Wow! Yeah. Like, first came out, or like the relaunch happened? When it first came out. 
the original Final Fantasy Realm. Do you still have your account? I have no idea. Because that's really valuable, actually. Because <laughs> people who have like a save file from 1.0 back in the day, uh, their character essentially gets like a, a unique tattoo to signify that they're a, a legacy player, and they get a permanent discount on their monthly sub. So it's normally like 15 USD a month, but if you have a 1.0 save file or whatever, then it's only like 7 USD. The thing is, when I tried playing the second time, I tried getting my PSN account or something. I don't know. The connection between the, the Moogle thing and... Oh, PSN, the Square Enix account. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I can't figure that it, out. Yeah, when I was trying to figure it out for... I can't remember if it was for SF14 or if it was something... I think it might have been like Square Enix shop thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a nightmare. Like, every, yeah. like there, there are, like, nowadays... Uh, when you're trying to link your like your Capcom ID or your Bungie ID to your PSN, it's not smooth, but it's generally smoother than it used to be. But the Square Enix method is still the same method that you used in the FF11 days. So it's archaic as hell. It sucks. And I remember you mentioning in the WhatsApp group like you were about you were about you were going to give up on yeah, trying because like of the Square Enix thing. I'm like I don't blame you. Like I, you should have waited for me to come over so I could help you because I was going. I went through the exact same stuff and I figured out my answer within like two three hours. <laughs> you, you know it's bad when you need to support to get your account back up. Yeah, it's so the weird thing is for my Square Enix account. So they're the way I don't know how it works, but they have like service accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you log in, my service account. I have service account one that has no characters on it, and my service account two because I had to make I think a second service account because I couldn't figure out how to do, get one working. So I made service account two under the same Scranix account, and my, that's where my character is. And sometimes when I'm logging on the website, I have to like, no, I don't want one. I want to go to two and edit my things. And sometimes I think to myself, going, I wonder if I can contact Scranix and just remove Scranix or remove account one and only keep two. And then I'm thinking about it. Look, what are the chances that even if I'm very specific in my email or my support things, like I do not delete two, mm-hmm. delete service account one that has no characters in it. My characters in service account two do not delete that. They're gonna be like, oh, he only needs one service account. We'll delete the second one. And then I lose my stuff, so I don't want to do that because I don't trust how like they're. They might not even do it intentionally. They if the system might do it for them. That's how archaic it looks. I don't trust anything about that screen except <laughs> BS. Even like the UI for it is so outdated. It is. Um, it's it's very much. It's very 2010, 2012. Yeah, crazy. Uh, like I I recently had to cancel my sub because I I I did resub just to because I have a new PC gaming rig that I wanted to test out the thing. I subbed for a month, tried it out, um, and then I had to cancel it a couple of days ago. And she was like, "Wow, this is just..." I couldn't not figure nice. out how to cancel it. Uh, there, there's a button. So you know, funny. I found out how to cancel it for the first time a few days ago. How I did it before was I just removed my credit card. Yeah, that's how I did it. That's how I did it. I've been doing it that way the entire time up until a few days ago when I was like, "Oh, there's a button here." It's not the most intuitive thing. There's a button where it's talk about your subscriptions and then manage your subscriptions, and then there's a button saying cancel. Or change your subscription, but I've just went to my payment options and yeah, just removed I it because it's like less. I feel like that's less clicks. Yeah, I don't know why it's so difficult. It that. sucks. It's crazy. The game's good. It's the Mog Station is not good. Yeah, I played. So I played it twice. I played it the first time and I played it the second time, and both times I quit around the exact same time. Well, it's not the same game that because when uh, 1.0 um, in the thing that is. Uh, a completely different game, mm-hmm. um, and that is dead. You can, nobody can play it anymore, right? Uh, they intentionally just—they intentionally, in the lore, killed that entire thing. They dropped a moon on the world, mm-hmm. and that's why everything is wiped out and got to start new. Uh, but then you started the second one after my insistence of like, "Yo, you got to play this 
stories up your alley. You'd love the story. And I do explicitly remember warning you a few times. Whenever you do start it, though, let me know ahead of time so I can tell you which uh, data center to join. So you join the same one as I do. And uh, I tell you specifically how to lay out your like UI and all that stuff so you can make have it go have an easier time blasting through the unimportant stuff and just start paying attention later. He proceeded to do none of that stuff and just started the game, dropped it because he it, it was kind of rough to go into. And then he messaged me a few days later, he was like, Oh by the way, I started it and I I dropped it. <laughs> <sighs> okay, like I, I I started it and like I I I ended up in this town, in the desert town. I got lost in there, like yeah. at least like seven times. Well, yeah. So yeah, well, the the starting city, if you pick a certain class, um, is probably the most annoying to navigate through. Um, so I had to go up and down so many staircases <laughs> just to get to one part, and I was like, yeah. So, so, so <laughs> if we had, if you had come to me, I would have told you, all right. Here are the pros and cons of each class, and I would have told you that one of the cons of the class that you picked was you start in a town, like the starting city, that is, it takes a while to get from one place to another. Yeah. Um, so, like, one of the things I'm going to take, start in the forest town, because that's literally just the two maps. Like, you can just go back and forth. And even though there's, like, not a lot of, like, the shortcut teleporting things, um, like, they're further apart, they're further distanced, but it's so much simpler, and you're not going to get lost, because it's literally just one section here, and then a glorified corridor in the other map. That's it. Um, but no. You didn't listen to me. I decided to go my own way. And how did that work out I for you? crashed and burned. Yep. <laughs> Very quickly. Yep. <laughs> I, I probably will try it again. I don't know when. I feel like... So, I feel like you would really like it. However, my bet is whenever you do finish 2.0, We'll record a thing, we'll talk about your thoughts. Then when you finish 3.0, we'll record a thing and we'll talk about your thoughts. And then when you're in 4.0, we'll do the same thing. By the time we get partway through, we're not going to be doing it every patch. We're going to be doing it every section. And we're going to be having like a little uh, spoiler debrief. That was like, I just played 5.1, here are my thoughts. I played 5.2, here are my thoughts. Well, if, if we're still recording this podcast by the time I start playing, that's a pretty big achievement, I would say. Well, it, didn't, it doesn't take that long to get through the story, honestly. Like, it's an MMO, but... Yeah. You like myself. I'm focused on the MSQ. I'm focused on the main story quest stuff, mm. and the only side quests I play, I play are the ones that are a story focus. I don't really do like the the hard tier savage raids. I don't do like the ultimate raids that like require you to get on Discord and coordinate and map out where you're standing at this second of the phase. Second phase starts. Okay, you have to go on this map. You have to stay here. I don't do any of that stuff. A lot of people love that. It's not for me. I'm literally just in it for the story. Um, but, but. the question, is it better than OPTC? Listen, <laughs> this game has dailies. It has stuff for you to log in and just do the check marks, and it never makes you feel bad about missing it. But you sort of feel compelled. Like, like for this, uh, there's no story content, because like, I already play story, so when I reset, there's no new story content for me to do. So I'll just, you know... Hey, there's a new class, or there's like another class that I've never touched. I might as well take this opportunity to level that up. And then every day, I would, I would go to the golden saucer. I do my daily little roulette stuff there, um, or like my lottery stuff there. And the dailies are like, oh, you know, you can accrue some currency points that you can only get like a certain amount every week. They can expend for things, and the way you get that currency is by doing, like, you know, um, 
some random love line 90 quest. So like the way that I'm sure other MMOs do it too. The only MMO I really have experience with is F14, but the way they do it is if you're only if only people queuing up for this one level are going to be paired together, then nobody, you're never going to get your stuff done and you're never going to pair up with people because if everybody's in the end game and everybody's starting the game, there's going to be very few people queuing up for that very specific level 64 dungeon. So if they, if there are people loving, uh, queuing up for that 64 dungeon because it's the first time they were playing through it, they're going through the story and they're at that point, uh, other people would likely be queuing up for the random dungeon roulette. So if there aren't people specifically queuing up for the level 64 uh, duty with you they're going to pick people from that ra- like queuing up for that random duty uh, random dungeon and then they're going to stick you with the first timer to fill up the first timers uh, party right mm. and they have different levels of those so they have like alliance raids they have the trials which are like dungeon bosses and stuff like that they have like high level 90 dungeons that so there are a bunch of roulettes and you just do those daily once a day and you get tons of gill you get tons of like tombstones, which are like the currency that you spend every week, stuff like that. Um, and if you're queuing up as a class that is in short supply, so like everybody plays DPS, for example, so there's usually a backlog of DPS people who want to play. So they're like, hey, if you're a tank or a healer, because we're running low for a tank or a healer in the the random dungeon roulette, you get bonus currency and you get bonus experience. So it kind of incentivizes you to play not just the easy, simple DPS stuff, or it also incentivizes you to level up multiple classes, right? Like, pretty good, because I found like most MMOs have an issue where everyone wants to play DPS and no one wants to play the support roles. Mm-hmm. So I guess that makes it so like... Yeah. The thing about FF14, like, how much MMO experience do you generally have? Like, have you ever played any of theirs? Not, I, like, I know a lot of MMOs in terms of like, mechanics. Yeah, like, Osmo, through Osmosis, we sort of... Yeah, but I don't, I've, I've never really played many MMOs. Mm. I've tried them out, but I, I, I can't do the, like, uh, guilds up and team up and yeah. all these things, because most of the time I'm usually playing by myself. Yeah, so I'm part of a, a guild... I never joined a guild until after I was caught up with the story because the only reason I joined a guild was for like this one specific thing. Like I can't remember what it was, but I joined up with the guild. The guild, they're like, "Hey, you're gonna cause like drama. You're gonna like be like like you know make people feel uncomfortable." No, all right, join. We don't care if you're inactive. We don't care if you like never like log in and you only want that temporary bonus. We have like 300 open slots, and we're like a community of like. 30 so whatever oh, okay so it's like very low commitment like very like and you can find like there are subreddits where it's like hey i only want to join guild temporarily for like this bonus or like this one event yeah um and people no problem um but yeah i didn't join a guild i never and i never felt pressured into joining guild throughout my entire thing it was only when i was like all right caught up with the story i'm waiting for the next endwalker patch uh or like the endwalker release date uh what else is there for me to do uh all right might as well try some of this side content because i have like 20 days remaining on my sub and yeah so now that you play like final fantasy 14 this is like the first mmo yeah you've gotten really into right so it's the first mmo i've ever played i've never okay. even well i've tried i've played runescape when it was you know that free browser thing i played that for like two days i don't think it counts <laughs> um yeah that's some big experience you got there <laughs> yeah uh I I specifically remember I played one thing because all the kids were playing it, and then the second time, uh, this kid who was in our class is like, "Hey, do this thing." He gets me killed, takes all my shit, and then I'm like, "All right, that was funny as hell." I, I, I ain't playing this game again. I played it for a bit as well, but 
I, I swear I play MMOs and then I stop because of the dumbest reasons. I quit RuneScape because I was like, okay, this tutorial on how to make bread is taking way too long. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, the, the, the crafting stuff was kind of too sound to think about. Um, Diablo is not an MMO, right? I wouldn't say it is. Okay. You don't then. really see other players while playing it. Yeah, but you can choose to play with other people whenever. You can choose whenever. to play okay. with other people. Like yeah, Path okay. of Exile. I used to play Path of Exile a lot, which is like a Diablo clone. Oh, oh okay, yeah. So, so you won't play yeah. it. I've played a little bit of Diablo, but not enough to know if it's an MMO or not. <laughs> that one is more MMO, like that you can see other players in the commun- community. Path of Exile is like an MMO. Yeah, like you can see other players in the community towns, and you oh. can PvP players, and you can bring them along with you on a party. I think... I think Path of Exile, I always mix up with, uh, I think Divinity Sin, something like that? It's similar. We, there, was, there, was a, there was a game, like a very uh, old, like old school RPG type game that I remember playing in your basement. Like, Divinity, that's did, that was Affinity? Yeah. Path of Exile is like straight up like Diablo. Oh, okay. The gameplay wise, it's exactly like Diablo. So, so yeah, uh, before I cut you off, uh, you were asking me, like, F14 is my first MMO. Yeah, so usually a lot of people that play MMOs, they don't really, they can't play single player RPGs anymore. Do you feel like that's a, like have you played a single player RPG recently after playing F14 and be like this is not the same? No, so no, the only reason for for MMOs in general do people like feel that if that is the case then a lot of people I think they play MMOs and they like the teamwork aspect of it. Well, like when you mm. play RPGs, it's a lot more single player. While well, you have to yeah, play. I think. I think that's more of a, just a genre expectation. Like, a lot of people play shooter games are not going to like Street Fighter, right? Um, yeah. Like, if, if, they, if they've never played COD before and all they played a Street Fighter and then they played a shooter, like a really good shooter, then they're going to be like, I'd rather play the, the new genre, for sure. Uh, in terms of FF14, if that happens, like, I don't think it happens to me because, like, FF14, I love the story. Uh, Shadowbringers expansion specifically is my favorite JRPG story, period. Like, I like it better than any other uh, Final Fantasy story. I like it, and the reason why people play JRPGs is for story. Primarily, everybody's interested in the story. There might be some people who like JRPGs. Are you telling me it's better than the Kingdom Hearts 3 story? It's a long stare you're giving me right now. <laughs> Straight up disappointment. <laughs> Thinking about how I can dispose of your body and get away with it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'd need somebody to give me a ride to... <laughs> bury your body <laughs> the only people i know who are willing to give me a ride to bury a body and not say anything is me is you <laughs> <laughs> so i'm wondering do i put a fake body in the trunk and tell you hey we're going and then murder you out there and then but then how do i drive i guess uber back you could, or, or you could just like drive back and just like wing it your, your car doesn't have any cameras what would you do with your car i don't want that <laughs> Again with the cameras. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, JRPGs, like, the only reason I think F14 would, like, quote-unquote ruin me um, is because maybe the story's not up to something. But, like, you know, I, we've played plenty of games that aren't as good as this other genre-defining game that we played. Um, doesn't stop us from playing it. But it's definitely also not going to stop me from comparing future Final Fantasy games to something like Shadowbringers or Endwalker. Uh, it's not going to stop me, like... A big reason why I'm excited for FF16 is because it's by the same guys who made uh, the Heavensward expansion, and it's by Naoki Yoshida. Um, obviously, Dev May Cry uh, is the Dev May Cry because they, I think they poached the guy from Capcom who was the one of the combat directors for Dev May Cry Five. Mm-hmm. 
I think that I poached him, or maybe he left Capcom and then later joined Square Enix. But he's in charge of combat. Sure, that's an uh, aspect of it. But the main reason I was first excited was this is the FF14 guys. Same studio, same devs, everything. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 17, probably most likely a different team. Obviously, going to be very excited for that. But I will be comparing it to what I now know is like the height of Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, but I'm still, I still love the genre. I'm still going to be playing. And I have played a little bit of JFPG afterwards. I just have not had a lot of time to stick with it. But like a, like a game like a Chained Echoes, for example. Very, very, very different. It's a very classical, um, you know, not maybe like SNES style almost. Uh, yeah, like it, that type like, of... Yeah, uh, pixelated art style. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's like really good. reminiscent of old. Yeah, it, it's it's very Chrono Trigger-esque um, in terms very of... basic combat type uh, mechanics. Yes, the biggest... Uh, the biggest sort of gameplay um, gimmick for that uh, is you can sort of mess with the turn order, and uh, I believe you can like hold up socks. So it's kind of like uh, bravery default. Bravery default. Except there's a little bit more intricacies, and you can like swap your party members mid battle for like bonuses and stuff like that. So like you know baton passing and like, or maybe not baton passing, but more like the FF10s where you can swap mid battle. It reminded me more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's very good. Uh, I didn't play much because my save file sort of got, not corrupt, but like there was a, I got soft locked uh, at some point. Um, in Chain Echoes? Yeah, in Chain Echoes. And I had to, and I was doing the habit of like rotating my saves, but for whatever reason, just by chance, I hadn't had a chance to save in a while and I just forgot because I was like really engrossed in the story and like I was getting excited. So I got soft locked and I'm like, all right, I got to reload my save to like my last area and then it was really far back. Mm. Um... But yeah, no, like that's a good game. I would recommend it. Runs great on Steam Deck, um, because it's it's not a demanding game or anything. Not a demanding game at all, for sure. One like one of the things like MMOs, they go very detailed on like gameplay mechanics for like your one class that you play, right? Well, Mm -hmm. like JRPGs, I feel you have to take care of a lot of different classes in those. So, like, the mechanics for one single class are limited, but the stuff you could do with everyone is. So I feel like a lot of people go... A lot of people that play MMOs like MMOs because they just have to focus on one class. Mm-hmm. And when they're playing that one class, that's all they have to worry about. They just have... They, other people... They just have to, like, make sure that the people that are playing with them play their class as well. Yeah, that, that's kind of the same here, but everybody has a, like... Everybody has, like, a main role, like, tank, healer, DPS. But... That doesn't mean the healer only heal. The healer is expected to do damage, right? Like, yeah. uh, which is sort of like a, a a mean thing because a lot of people who are in from wow, uh, I, I from what I can gather, um, and when the healers don't heal and do damage, even if everybody's full HP, they're going to be admonished for not paying attention to healing. Whereas the opposite is for FF14, healers got to do damage. If the healer is constantly healing you, chill with healing. If you attack the boss at the same time. The boss is going to die a bit quicker. Yeah, you do technically like the least amount of damage, but you still do damage. Like they still give healers a, a lot of offensive capabilities. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, as a healer, make sure the tank doesn't die. If the tank has one HP, you're doing your job fine. Mm-hmm. If your tank ha- has down ninety nine percent of the HP, but they still have one percent HP left and they're not dead, so far you're doing a great job. If they die, that's why you use your revive uh, skill. Mm-hmm. If the party wipes, okay, now you can know uh, when you can. St- Stop attacking the boss a little bit earlier and start healing the boss, but you're still expected to do damage, right? The expectation to do damage is still there. Okay. Right. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I'll, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I might give it a shot one day. 
uh, give it a shot. I'll, I'm literally going to hold your hand and guide you through it. Like, I'm not going to even Discord call you. I'm coming over. I'm sitting beside you. I'm going to tell you how to throw up your UI. I'm going to tell you how to arrange certain things, like what to add to your UI to for what you should be important for you. And I'm going to tell you, like, give you a rundown on what class I think you should be playing because it might be the most engaging for the first, like, 25 levels compared to others or based on, like, how you want to play the game. Like, do you want the tank thing? Because... Myself, when I I never I played DPS the entire time. I never leveled another class until I was already waiting for Endwalker, mm. um, and then I was catching up on other stuff. Okay. So I was I had like tank anxiety. That's a sort of thing because a lot of people are like, I don't want to be the tank because that's sort of like setting the pace for the dungeon. You're the one who gets to decide how far we go before we're stopping and killing the bot mobs. You're expected to like keep the boss's attention and hold them a certain point. That's like, that feels like a lot of responsibility. Until I started playing tank, and then I realized this is the easiest job. DPS technically is a little bit harder because they have all these different buttons and rota- like they have the optimal rotations to deal the most damage. You got like each class has a different way to do it. And tanks are just like, hit the enemy. Just hit the enemy and make sure you're not like running around. So you, like if, if certain DPS classes do most damage hitting the back, they don't have to like run around in circles. Well, they can just stay in cell. All you got to do, hold the boss. Hold the boss and trust your healers will keep you alive. That's it. Just trust your healers. You have, you have some mitigation stuff to make it easier time for your healers. So your healers can stop healing and do damage, like take 10% less damage or whatever. Pop those, but... For the most part, you can just chill. It's most easy. Then I got healer anxiety because I played DPS. I felt it was easy. Played tank. Like I learned to learn it was easy. Then I, played, then I was like, I don't, I, I don't have a healer. I gotta level up a healer for this specific thing where you have to have one of each mm-hmm. role for the best side quest in the game. But then I found healer was pretty. Healer is still tough because controller. A lot. Of, I feel like a lot of the healer classes are. They thrive on uh, keyboard mouse. Yeah. But on controller, like, white mage is pretty easy because you don't have to do, like, very specific targeting. All you're healing is, like, you just heal everybody around you. Um, like, it's very focused, and... So you when move, you're probably have to move around a lot, then. I mean, so if somebody... If, there's, if, if you're playing in a party of eight and one person decides to run on the opposite side of the map and get out of range of their healing, it's their fault. Okay. Generally, it's their fault. You could try to single target them to heal them, but... You're supposed to stay close to your healer so you can do AoE damage, like or, or AoE healing. Okay. Um, but I also have like a little trick where I have a, a shortcut that will automatically target the tank, so I can deal damage. And oh, I notice tanks low. I hit the shortcut, and then immediately my focus is on the tank and whatever spells I heal. Like, because if I'm targeting the enemy and I press the healing button, I'm only going to heal myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm targeting my friendly and I do a healing, I'm going to heal them. So I have a button that will automatically shortcut to the tank, and it'll automatically start healing them. And the tank is the one you're going to heal the most. If yeah. there's DPS who take damage because of like an area-wide attack or whatever, you can just throw a basic AoE spell, and it'll heal everybody up for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Oh, okay. So like you learn to get easier. Like you learn in easier time, and to the point where it's like, okay, DPS is still sort of the simplest because people have the lowest expectations of you, mm-hmm. and people don't pay attention to your mess ups as much, but it's the most responsibility in terms of, like, it's the most engaging. Like, you, it's the least for turn your brain off that you can get if you want to play properly. How long do, like, boss fights usually take these games? <clears throat> um, early, so, a lot of the boss fights, as the games go, like, as the expansion goes, like, early ones die faster because your gear is a little bit better. Like, there is some scaling involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, for the most part, um, 
typical boss fights, like if it's like an eight-player boss fight and you're fighting like, let's say, you know, it's just, it's not a dungeon, it's just the boss. Because there are some levels that are just a boss and will lead up to it. A typical phase, a two-phase fight, uh, two fight would take maybe like 10 minutes, sometimes less, sometimes a little bit more. If there's multiple phases, uh, it might take more than 10 minutes. Um, it never really feels that long, though. That's not too bad. Yeah, like, it, it, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually like 20 minutes, but it never feels like 20 minutes. It never feels very long, because they're usually really fun. Yeah. It's not like the Final Fantasy 15 boss that takes like three real world days. To is, is, that, is that a boss? That's like the the, uh, the, big, the, the turtle, yeah. the adamantoids. The big turtle, yeah. Yeah. That's like an optional boss. but like, I thought it was like an just a random enemy that just has a ton of health. Yeah. Is it a boss boss? Like they yeah, play the boss music? And you get like... You get something out of it. Like, I forgot what it a was. A trophy. Some, like, I don't know. But, like, I remember I was watching the Clueless Gamer video on it <laughs> with Conan and Elijah Wood was in it, too. And they were playing it. And then they were playing the boss. And the guy was like, yeah, it takes three world da- three real world days to beat this boss. And Conan's like... I feel like that's exacerbated. Um, I, I feel like that's, like, an exacerbated thing. Like, maybe three real days if you, like, you don't spec out properly. But, like... You know, in Persona, like the Persona games, where you have those super bosses where you can fight the Velvet attendants, mm-hmm. and people have figured out ways to like in Persona Five, you can you can kill the Velvet attendants in one to two hits because if you get the optimal self buff, self buff, enemy debuff, enemy debuff, baton pass, uh, do the one Megalodon attack, and then boom, nine 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 damage. The cap is one thousand damage though, by the way. So, congratulations, you broke the game. I feel like it's like that. If you don't go in with the optimal strats, it'll take three days. I think it still takes a really long time. Oh, I'm sure. Else it has. It's ridiculous. I can't imagine that's a very engaging three days. I just remember that video. Conan actually opened the door and looked at the people that came with the game to like monitor them, and it was like, "Why did you make this?" Oh my god, they must be so. They must have felt so bad. But here's the thing. Why did you make this? Final Fantasy 15. I haven't beaten it. I haven't played very far in it. I actually beat it. Oh, you played? Did you beat it before Royal Edition came out or after? Before what? Royal Edition came out, like I mean, the fix. I played it when a game came out. Yeah, same here. But I dropped it. Like I, I, I you know what's funny? Remember the demo that came out with Type Zero? Mm-hmm. I played the crap out of that. I played so many hours of that. I got my characters to level nine 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 or level level ninety nine, and Is I that the, like the platinum demo. Thing? That was the Project Duskay demo. Okay. I believe it was called. And it was basically just that first area, and it had a very different battle mechanic. Like, same sort of fundamentals, but it's very different. Like, D-pads do, like, different special moves and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Then when FF15 actually came, and the story was already off to a bad start because, hey, that big important thing that all the Versus 13 trailers were hyping up, like the, the attack on Insomnia... Um. Yeah, you just see some snippets of the movie that hope we hope you watched. The movie was trash, by the way, and that's it. And then you find out about Noctis found out about his dad dying through a newspaper. Yeah, and like it, it did a very bad job of telling the story, was, which like, put me off of it. Like put me off already. So I I dropped it before we got to the city, like on the boat to get to the other city where Lunafrey is. I dropped it before then, but. Royal came out afterwards, apparently fixed a lot of issues, so one day I'll get back to it. Like, I really did like the traveling part of it. Like, it actually felt like you're a group of team that is, like, traveling across the world. It gave that impression really well. Like, this is, like, I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. You have to camp. You have to do, like, certain things. Like, yeah. It gave that impression, but the way it did a few things, was it's, it's crazy. Like, there's not that many big set pieces in that game, other than when you get to... 
Lunafreya's town or whatever. Yeah. Because the rest of it is just on this massive empty map. Yeah, and it's it, it also came out in a, in a time where I was kind of done with open world games yeah. in general. Um, so when they were like, hey, this is the first open world FF or Final Fantasy game. And I was like, that's not a good thing. Like, it's kind of wild because Final Fantasy 16 press release is like, no, this is not open world. Stop calling it open world. This is not open world. These are just really big zones, but it is linear, like Final Fantasy like 10 and stuff like that. I think, no, they, they, Final Fantasy 12. Final Fantasy 12 is way less than linear than 10. 10 is literally, by as well. 10 is the real corridor game, not 13. You know what? <laughs> Final, Fantasy thir- uh, Final Fantasy 10 is way more linear. It's just they did it better than 13, but it, I, it is way more linear of a game, I think. Mm-hmm. Like 15... It it like uh, they're saying it's not open world. It was one hundred percent open world. The main map that you're in, like ninety percent of the game, that thing is freaking huge. But, yeah, like empty as hell. Yeah, I have four spoken is also apparently super empty as well. Like I, I don't know. Yeah, like uh, there's the only part where then you get to like Lunafreya's town and then you're there for a while. Then you're back to the open world map, and then uh, that whole like time jump thing happens. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. The game was very jarring to play. But I did like the party, like the party camaraderie aspect of it, because it did. Get I will say, really well. yeah. So Square Enix has kind of been known for not having the most realistic sounding dialogue. Like, uh, they always sound like weird anime robots. Is uh, I think uh, some streamers call it, and that's totally true. Final Fantasy Fifteen, not the perfect, like not the most natural sounding dialogue, but it definitely was a step in the right direction. Where because. A lot of their banter was like, it feels realistic. It doesn't feel like yeah, it's like legit banter. It feels like yeah. these are friends actually going on this massive trip together. Exactly, and the way like these the two guys the guys are talking to us, they sound like oh yeah, these are these are almost what people of like teenagers or kids of these age, like friends of these age, how they would banter. They don't sound like machine translated Japanese or like direct translated non localized Japanese Englishes, like how a lot of anime does. Um, it feels it felt realistic, and they. Definitely did carry that forward because Seven Remake had easily the most natural sounding, best dialogue uh, and like best banter, like most natural sounding banter between characters until you get to a certain part where it became very like, here's here's where the fun, the Square Enixy JRPG revisionist stuff happens and here's where the dialogue gets really stilted. But everything before that sounded so natural. Yeah. And like, I like to see that like this is a direct step in the right direction. Forspoken from what we saw in the trailers. Not that, but we neither of us have played it, right? I've never played it. Yeah, it, this is for, maybe the trailers just gave it a really bad rep. But first game, it's open open world, so that I actually didn't end up getting. Yeah, you so just I was really excited for it. This for guy in 2023 still picks up video games based on their box arts. Yo, like that, gotta admit that box yes. is pretty dang cool. He, he picked up uh, what what is it called? I uh, think Trendy Trigger. I don't even know. Ben doesn't even know the name of the game he picked up. <laughs> yeah, it's called Trinity Trigger. Um, I think you picked it up just because of the box art, box art. And, I mean, day one edition is literally looking like a special edition. Like, I saw it. I'm like, wow, you picked up a special edition of this game and uh, know nothing about it? He's like, no. Ain't no extra. Yeah. <laughs> Thumbs up. Well, we are we are playing that later tonight because it is co-op, how which is I wild. Saw, you know how I found out about the game? On Amazon. You know how it says, like, Oh, yeah, like your recent browsing history. I saw it and I was like, dang, that's some pretty cool art. Oh, the wow. It's not out yet. Pre order. <laughs> Companies must love you. <laughs> I didn't see any trailer or any video on the game until like two days before it arrived. 
I don't remember the last time I tried or bought a video game based solely on its cover. It might have been in the renting days when Blockbuster game rentals was still a thing. Hey man, it's worked out for me. I got A Somnium files the same way. I got Bravely Default the same way. Really? And I got uh, Radiant Historia the same way. <laughs> I huh. didn't know I Somnium. So two files. of those three are. I love those games because you introduced me to them, and you knew about them because they had kick-ass cover art. <laughs> I wow. Did. I Somnium Files, I didn't know that it was Spike Chunsoft, same guys that made 999, when, until you told me after I got the game. I'm like, oh shit, it's the same people. No, I thought you told, like, because I, I remember only getting that game after, like, seeing you pick that game up physically. Yeah. I and then up. I downloaded it on my Switch. Yeah, because uh, I picked it up, like, a day before that I, to- and I told you, then you came over that weekend and we played it together. Yeah, so may- maybe, because I, I, may- I thought maybe uh, you told me about, it was the same guy who did 999 and uh, Virtuous Last Reward. No, I don't think I said that. I think you huh. told me, because I think I was just like, oh, I picked up the yeah. game. I, I, yeah, I must have I heard it from, like, maybe Gamatsu back when I used to read that or something. But, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Radiant Historia definitely is a game you told me about that I didn't know yeah. existed, because told me about the whole story. Like, yeah, uh, first run copies before there was a second uh, yeah, copies of this game are going for like three hundred dollars on eBay. I found one in a random eBay game for like thirty dollars in a bin. Yeah, and, and then I didn't know that it was that worth that much. And, and then, then when I checked online, they're like, "We're doing a reprint." Yeah, because you could have sold it, made a ton of money, and waited like two weeks. Because that's how what how long it took. Like you bought it, you found it, you found this amazing like um, amazing resale value, and before you can finish the game and decide to resell it, Atlas is like, "All right." Making more. Bring that, bring that price down. But <laughs> man, Radiant Destroyer was such a pick good pickup. Yeah. That game was... I definitely want to replay it. It's just... Because I don't think I beat it. I got really close to beating it. I never finished it. But I'm wondering if I should play the remake and try to get the 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 non-remake sprite, character sprites, or if I should just play the original. Because I, I own the original. Like, for the DS, I have the cart at home. Mm-hmm. I have the new one, and I have the original as well. For DS, yes. Because mm. I do know, like, you know, Atlas, being Atlas, they always add, hey, we're remaking a JRPG with a very tight, intentional, like, no whole story. We're just going to add a character. We're going to add characters to it, and we're going to add, like, a whole, like, side story, how they do for every re-release, like... Yeah, like, a whole extra thing. It's like, hey, like, this is a reason why you should pick yeah, up... Yeah, and they're never really quite as... Well, half of them are not written. even that long. It's just like an extra thirty minutes. It's like, oh, yeah. Side and then, <laughs> and then sometimes when you're playing, especially like Persona Four, where it's like, all right, you're playing through Persona Four, and then, hey, the Persona Four Golden exclusive character just walks in and cuts, and he's like, I'm also here. Walks yeah. away. It's like, hey, don't forget to do my side quest as well. Walks away. Walks in like two and twenty minutes later, and this big emotional scene. Hi, <laughs> bye. Persona Five. I played the original, and then I played Golden. Oh, uh, Royal. 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 Yeah. Persona Five. Um, I played the original, and then I, when I played Royale, man, they added that additional character actually adds, mm-hmm. like, Royale actually adds a lot yeah. of shit to the game. Like, I, I recently got PC Game Pass, so I'm going to play through, through again with Royale, but I will say that, like, and I do know a lot of people, like, not just that additional character, the party member, but all the additional, like, story of, like, mm-hmm. uh, expanding on um, Akechi and, yeah. like, all the new other characters, like, it adds a ton. It adds a ton. But I will say... Yeah, but I will say that first intro of the acrobat uh, character Kasumi, I think her name is. Mm-hmm. It felt so much like Marie, and like it felt intentional. Like, hey, here's a cool new character who's a total standout, and like, yeah. hey, she's like not part of the team, but she's dressed like a team, like the team member, and she's like, hey, senpai, 
by senpai i save your and i just imagine like my friends who have recommended this game to you first time they're sitting through it, and they're like how was that <laughs> it, may, it might be cool for like people who played the first one but yeah. for new players they're going like what the hell was that that was so weird and out there because you don't see the other party members you just see their silhouette but then you see that character and do a full thing and there's like oh by the way i'm not part of your party bye <laughs> even even if like i played the first game and then i played the second one even like playing royale and then doing all that i forgot her name but doing all their storylines it felt so right? disjointed from the Did it? Oh, original okay. storyline because it, it's not really connected yeah until, like she randomly shows up at that scene it's like bye yeah hi then bye like like marie was a little marie was into uh into like a person for gold she was more integrated kind of like she wasn't that obtuse until it got to a point where like the entire party cares for her and they love her like one of the team even though you don't really get that sense because she only shows up in like her own social links right yeah like uh, you 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 played through it. Tell me how you feel about it. But when I played through it, that's how I felt. I just felt. Like I, I yeah. I will tell you, Persona Five Royal getting it working on PC Game Pass plus PC mods. It took me a full day to get mods working on the but, Game Pass first because it's a Game Pass DRM uh, that oh. I had to bypass, and all the guides were Steam only. And a lot of the mods are like, "This is Steam version only. Don't ask me about Game pa- Game Pass because I don't know how to do it either." I found a way to do it. Even then, it only works for about fifty percent of the mods. Um, what are these mods? What are you trying? To so stuff about? like um, you know, uh, model swaps or stuff like here's the you know, because I already played the game, so I'm like, you know, just add the like the intention, like the uh, optimal social link dialogue, or you know the you know the star that tells you your stats, like yeah, your yeah. coolness, your charm, your confidence, stuff like that. Uh, adding numbers to that, so you can see the explicitly like oh, your your. Oh, it's not just one level one, two, and three. It's like you are thirty percent to level two. Like stuff like that, like super cool quality of life stuff. Um, changing the button layout to the PlayStation layout. I don't think I got that working because Game Pass obviously will only have the Xbox buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried getting the PlayStation buttons to work, didn't work. And there's another one that I really wanted that didn't work. I think it was the background music. Like it was supposed to do a shuffle of all the Persona and some SMT uh, battle music when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that working either. Um, like Persona Five. Um, I remember playing it like the second time I actually did a full 100% so like first time I played it through on my own the second time I did I followed a guide on how to get every single oh the social links you mean yeah all yeah. the social links all the trophies all the max stats everything holy shit <laughs> hmm. the amount of RNG that comes into just proficiency like because hmm. you have to randomly get you have to keep trying it reloading save scumming until you get that yeah random plus three that you need to get that freaking one level I, I yeah i will say it's like some of them don't even make sense like some of like you insult the person and then you get plus three it's like what <laughs> uh but i will say i don't remember if i used a guide i may have used a guide for certain social links that i want to get rid of uh, or complete perfectly but i was on track of getting 100 percent social links without like following a strict like do this on this day like I, I was choosing whatever i wanted to do and then Persona 5, like, you know that last week you get before the final dungeon, you can't do anything more? I was at that level, I was at that point, and I had four social links left that were at, like, one was at level 8, and the rest were at level 9. And I was like, I can possibly do this. And I was doing it, I couldn't do it. One person was stuck at level 9, because it took me two attempts to get them from 8 to 9. Yeah. And then one person took two attempts to get them from 9 to 10. And I was so close. But then I realized I saved scum, or not saved scum, I rotated my saves. 
So I went to my save file. I went to the earliest, like, rotated save that I didn't replace. Mm-hmm. And, like, I hit that. And then I was like, all right, now I have uh, two and a half weeks of in-game time. And a lot of my social links are down because all of the level 10s I got were right at the end. So I'm like, all right, I got to map this out. I'm going to have the guide open for the optimal dialogue stuff. Yeah. But I'm not going to have, like, what to do each day or anything. Because I wasn't following that anyways, because so it'll all be off anyways. So I have to like map out my way to do it. But and because I rotated my saves, I got that one hundred percent of all social links on my first run through, on my first playthrough, and with very limited like social link dialogue guide yeah. stuff. I think for um Persona Five, I'm missing one trophy, and that trophy is is it the in the navigator stuff? No, no. It's the maid cafe one, I think. <laughs> like, I think it's something to do with you have to go to a maid cafe and order something there or something like that. Is there a maid cafe? I don't know. I don't Wait, know. is this original? Is this original or royal? Royal. Oh, okay. And it might be an addition. Something really dumb. But for some, for some reason, I skipped it. And then I was like, gosh, I don't want to go back. And like, <laughs> Gotta get that platinum trophy. <laughs> Gotta get that platinum. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. I am looking forward to getting around to that. It's just... Uh, Typical me fashions, like spend multiple hours or multiple days getting some weird gimmicky thing to work and then never having the direct play. Steam Deck. My, my Steam Deck, I was tinkering around with it because it's just Linux and I was doing all of these weird things, trying to get these emulators installed, optimal ways. Spent multiple days doing it, having the time of my life setting up the Steam Deck. But all right, what games do you want to play? Oh, I guess this could play games, huh? <laughs> uh, I guess what, I guess what I use my Steam Deck for. It is now just a glorified, super expensive gamepad when I'm playing on my actual desktop because there are trackpads on it. Oh my god. So, well, I, I have my Steam Deck here. One second. Ignore these back noises. I will show you. As he pulls out his Steam Deck. You use it just as a controller? Yes. As a computer? So, the, the Asus uh, ROG Ally doesn't have this, so I'm never getting that. So, the layout of the Steam Deck. Obviously, regular controllers, four buttons at the back, but there are these trackpads here too. Like, they, you can act as mouse cursors or whatever. You can map this to be a stick, so you never have to use these. If you want, you could just use these. Or you can say, like, you know, these are this, but this is like a mouse. Yeah. And you can do whatever you want. Five Fantasy XIV, for example. Um, because before I got my desktop, I was playing uh, was playing on my PS5, and then I would start playing it on this. And I learned to love playing F14 on this because there are times where if you hold down the trigger, you can press your attacks are on here, and you can map some attacks on here. But if I'm moving and I want to do a certain attack that's on the D-pad, I have to go like this. I hate doing that. So, in the Valve or the Steam's game pad settings, you can set it so when you hold a button, it's, it starts up an action layer. So if I hold a button, this stops being a mouse. This is now a D-pad. So if I want to, if I need to press right on the D-pad while I'm running away from a boss, I just have to hold the right trigger and just swipe to the right and that will mimic pressing this the right d-pad i swipe the trackpad the swipe uh i swipe the right trackpad with my right thumb and it'll mimic me using my left thumb on the d-pad so like stuff like that okay um and i i basically i i this is how i play hi-fi rush on the pc i never i never needed to because you don't need the d-pad but it's just i can so so you're like you use it as a controller. So what mm. about like the middle part where there's a display? <laughs> um, the I, I turn the I just turn the brightness down. So the way I do it is 
Um, so you just use it as a mirror. So you know the app Moonlight? Yeah. It, I use Moonlight. So basically, I'm controlling the Steam Deck through like basically remote play that piggybacks off of NVIDIA Game Stream. So I'm basically using remote play on my Steam Deck to control my PC while my PC's in front of me. You're very interesting. <laughs> it works 85% of the time, okay? This guy went such a roundabout way to play games on his PC. Listen. With the Steam Deck. Listen, once Steam release or once Valve releases a controller that has these touchpads. Hey man, the Steam controller. I, I, the Steam controller doesn't have sticks. It only has those touchpads. <laughs> I need both, okay? <laughs> just use the the middle the display as a mirror basically <laughs> yeah i mean i just turned the brightness down for that and like even in the moonlight settings i set it to like 720p 30 frames per second so it wastes the least amount of battery i turn the brightness all the way down i don't need it because i never look down stuff like that um oh man that's like... it's it works okay it works <laughs> such an interesting <laughs> way <laughs> to use the Steam Deck. Yeah. My friend actually has a Steam Deck too. He's planning on selling it because he doesn't use it that much. Um, but he's looking at the ROG Ally now. It looks wild. And it's coming out in like 12 days. Or well, it's going to be the or release is going to be 12 days. Yeah. People are going to get it in their hands later. A little bit later than that. But. Decently priced for a Windows gaming machine. Yeah. And I've heard like from the reviews that I've seen, it basically makes like no noise at all. Yeah. And uh how loud the Steam Deck is. Yeah, and the the higher end um of the two models, so there's two chipsets. The high, I think the higher end is called the Z1 Extreme or something like that. Mm. But so teraflops, looking at teraflops, which is like a bad indicator, but it's kind of all we have to go on for yeah. leaks. Uh, I think it's like two thirds the teraflops of a PS5 for the higher end model. And the higher end model, that's the more expensive, powerful chip in the uh, RG Ally, is only 50 USD higher than. Steam Deck's most expensive configuration. And the only difference between the Steam Deck configurations is the SSD side size. So the weakest, the weakest, uh, or sorry, the cheapest Steam Deck is the same performance as the most expensive Steam Deck. It's just a more expensive SSD, which yeah. is, you're paying a premium anyways because you should get the 64 gig and then just buy an aftermarket SSD for way cheaper. Like, oh, you can get one terabyte SSD for way cheaper than what Valve is selling of half a terabyte. It's like an NVMe SSD. Yeah, uh, the short form factor, the small form factor uh, NVMe. Um, but yeah, it's like, for just 50 bucks more, like, everybody was looking at this and going like, alright, this is just going to be another one of those INEO devices that's like $1,500 and nobody's going to buy it. It's just going to be like super enthusiast people who, but no, this is going to be in the hands of people. Like, people are going to be buying this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be buying it because it has no touchpads under the thumbs. Yeah. But people are going to be buying it and it's going to be like so like i'm so excited for like the future of these type of devices to like proliferate yeah it's getting really popular now even like so like i can't believe the ally sits on the high end of handheld devices and then you have android and it's not even the most expensive yeah Yeah. and then you have android uh handheld devices which was also picking up a lot of storm they would have picked up a lot more if not for the steam deck the steam deck literally put a halt on all that because even like before the steam deck was announced like i was i was this close to getting an Ein Odin Pro. Yeah, I'm which is looking at that too. Yeah, and it was essentially like it was just a uh, OnePlus Six. So we we both have OnePlus Sixes as like backup phones, but like same chip as OnePlus Six, but it has fan, uh, fan cooling and it has like controllers all around the thing, or whatever. Great, I can play emulation stuff like that, and I can play, like, I can play emulation like up yeah. until like even like PS Two GameCube. An Android gaming machine just for 
like mostly mm-hmm. emulation and maybe like streaming. Yeah, and streaming. Yeah, that was a big one too. <laughs> However, then Steam Deck came out, and the Steam Deck cheapest configuration was only like fifty bucks more than the Odin, yeah. and you played PC games natively on it. So a lot of the hype for these Android devices that are like, hey, give us money now, and we promise we'll ship it sometime in the next two years, just died out. Yeah. And there are still, like, a lot of emulation enthusiast devices. Like, you were looking at some, but they're, like, super low-powered for retro games. Like, what what were you looking at? It was Retroid Pocket, which Mm. is, uh, like, a budget, like, one of the best (laughs) buck for what you get. Yeah, bang for buck. Bang for buck uh, uh, emulator Android gaming device you can get. And then uh, AYN Odin, I don't know how you say it. I think it's Ein. Ein Odin is, like, the higher end. And then you have like uh, those small, like ambernic, uh, yeah, the the pocketable ones, the which pocketable ones. you basically are just for Game Boy, and yeah, that's about it. Like Game Boy game. Uh, yeah, that's. And then Razer came out of nowhere and released their like phone, but not a phone. Yeah, it's it's basically the same as the Ein Odin, but like because it's a tablet. And you yeah. can remove the controllers because it's essentially, you know, their Razer Kishi. Mm-hmm. It's like a third variant of their Razer Kishi, but it's the best one because it has a headphone jack. Yeah. But they don't sell it separately. The only way to get that controller thing that you can take off and put on your other phones is by buying that whole ass tablet thing. Because I've been keeping an eye on it because now that I have my own, I'm not piggybacking off your Game Pass. I have my own Game Pass. <laughs> I can theoretically use streaming, like yeah. stream games. But I gave my controller, my phone controller to you because I'm like, I don't need it ever. I'm going to play all my emulation on my Steam Deck, not on my phone anymore. And now I need to stream. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I can, yeah, I guess I can just play on my Steam Deck, huh? Yeah, you can. I can. I'm not gonna take my Steam Deck on the Go Train though. God no. <laughs> the um, what was I saying? Yeah, the Razer Kishi thing. Like it, it's a really good controller, but then it gives you a tablet device. Yeah. So kind and of, it's expensive. And it's expensive. So kind of like I was watching a few videos of people reviewing it. I was watching Retroid Game uh, Plus. I forgot what I forgot what the channel name is. Uh, but he was talking about it. He's like a Retro Game Core. Yeah. He was like. Uh, who is this for? <laughs> Remember, yeah. Because like, if you if you were like the main reason why you would want to get a dedicated device is if the controller is combined with the app. Yeah, it's integrated. Integrated. It's not a separate device. You don't have to charge them separate. Right? Like you just charge one; they both charge. I think that was like pass through. Probably. Okay, good. It's just like Oof. like if you were gonna pay that much, you can get like a retro pocket, or you can get an iNodin. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you can also just get a. You can also just use your phone and then just get a regular controller. And yeah, you get the same because because you're so close to Steam Deck pricing, and it's not even cl- like the Steam Deck is already very bang for buck. Yeah, even though it is more expensive, it's so much more bang for buck than those devices. Remember the Logitech one? That's only that's only for cloud. You're not allowed to emulate it on it, guys. Like that was uh, running a Snapdragon 720, which is like a mid-range phone chip that was already older or something like that. Like. And they're so expensive too. They're expensive, but people are saying like that one ergonomically is like one of the best handhelds ever. The the Logitech one. Yeah, mm. but it's a bit weaker than like it's about as strong as like a Retro Pocket. It has an OLED screen, right? As well. Yeah. Yeah. It has a really good screen. It's big. It's very nice ergonomically. Seven twenty Snapdragon seven twenty has to be stronger than a Retro Pocket. It's like about. It was like a kind of like the same. Like they were saying the performance. Really? I remember. I remember watching Retrocore on it. He's like, like it's not that powerful compared to like 
playing on like a retro pocket or something like that. Okay, retro pocket three plus uh, chip because I would imagine like yeah, it's a mid range like a, a logic out of mid range, but it should still be better than whatever Retroid is running because it's not as good as Inodin. Like I know that <laughs> really. Oh, could, yeah, yeah. So Inodin is like a high end chip from three or four years ago. Yeah. Because whatever the OnePlus 6 was, it had essentially the highest-end Android chip at the time. Mm-hmm. But even high-end Android like high-end Android chips from back then are still stronger than the newest mid-range chips, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. And I think it still is the case because Snapdragon sort of has that monopoly, so they don't want to mm-hmm. cannibalize their own high-end chips. Um, but, yeah, that's... It's, it's, it's interesting because the G Plus is not supposed to be for emulation. But it works really well for emulation. But it's just oh, not I mean, nothing hard. is legally supposed to be for emulation. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but yeah. 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 Yeah, we're in a gray area. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's legal, okay? It's legal. It's it's legal. <laughs> just can't advertise it. But it's legal. Um, yeah, that's... I, it, it is definitely an exciting time for, like, gaming hardware and, like, all the stuff. Um, but even, like, just, like... These classic type games are getting more popular now. Like, uh, like playing classic games are getting a lot more popular. A lot of people are going back to play like old mm-hmm. RPGs from like uh, the portable consoles. They don't make them like they used to, unless they do. Like Chain Echoes, it's kind of like how they used to. Starting to now, that's yeah. why, right? Like Octopath Traveler. No, like they don't make games like they used to. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, Octopath Traveler too. I saw. I I have that on my Switch. It's fully downloaded. It's ready to play. I haven't touched it yet because I'm waiting for free time but it's literally like jumping back in time playing like an old rpg game but with mm-hmm. really nice so you vision. played it right away or did you wait until i told you about what people were saying online about it before you played it i played it right away right okay because i like i know you were getting into it and you really loved it right away but i remember tweets i think it was from jason schreier um mm-hmm. like bloomberg reporter we were just talking about Octopath Traveler, and like I think I was, I was, I think I was either with my friends or I was there. In like yeah. we were walking, we were in a parking lot, or like we were leaving the car, and I was just scrolling through Twitter or whatever, and I seemed just talking about Octopath Traveler too. It's like this is like, you know, the big stuff step from Uncharted one to two, or Assassin's Creed one to two. This is like that for Octopath Traveler. Such a big step for the game that it does like. Everybody who played the first game is done a disservice for how good the second one is, and this is genre-defining. This is one of the best JRPGs, period. Yeah. And I'm going like, huh. Wow. Because I, like, I was one of the people who was like really interested in Octopath Traveler, and then I was really scared off by the reviews of, yeah, they're, the characters don't mesh together. Like They don't act like they are even there when they're doing each other's story, and that really kind of yeah. scared me off. And they fixed that. They fixed it a bit. There still, there still is that kind of thing, but they did add like, um, do you know how? Have you played like Tales of games? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I oh, like when the the optional dialogue prompts. The optional dialogue yeah. that comes up, so that comes up sometimes in the middle of like someone else's story. Uh, okay, but they don't necessarily interject in cutscenes, or they don't interfere. Okay, in cutscenes, yeah. Like the big story moments where somebody's like begging for assistance and they're yeah. being betrayed. The rest of the party members are just eating popcorn. Yeah, yeah basically. Okay. So it, that kind of is, it throws you off, but you, it doesn't affect you as much just because the gameplay, the visuals, the like, the world building, the traveling mm. the world, all that stuff is just so amazingly done. Yeah. And if you haven't played classic games, this is going to be a huge barrier for you because 
it is a hard game and there's no difficulty setting. So Ooh. you can't step in and be like, all right, I could just take on this guy without any I practice. I do know there's a, like a recommended character to start with. Um, mm-hmm. like, I didn't look it up. I just started with whoever I tried. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's like the flagship character. Like that's the most like balanced, quote unquote balanced yeah. character. I never like when JRPG developers say this is the balanced character because I never like them. Like they can do some decent damage with their sword. And they can do some decent magic. It's like, no, like either be really good with sword or be really good with your magic or like have a very specific talent. Uh, I think the recommended one that everyone online said in terms of story and in terms of gameplay was, uh, I don't know, I think his name was Oscar, like some guy in jail. Yeah. I ha- like I haven't beaten the game yet. Mm-hmm. It's long, right? I'm like 40 hours in, and I only have like half the characters. Really? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Maybe I should not play this but game. I'm grinding a lot, <sighs> and I'm like doing a lot of side things a lot. What have I'm I like, done? I'm like exploring a lot, right? Oh no! <laughs> but like each character has their own specific ability that they can use in overworld and in combat. Mm-hmm. I saw two about this too. <laughs> so like Hikari has one where he can just randomly challenge random characters on the map. And then steal one of their skills if he wins. Oh, that's cool. And he can use them. So you can store up to, I think, like four skills or five skills. And then if you, as you progress in the game, you get higher, you fight higher level characters and then you get higher level skills. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, what I ended up doing, I, I just had Akari, right? I didn't have any healers. I didn't have anyone else. So I fought someone with a healing skill. And then I was able to use his healing skill in combat, right? Like there's also one other character which can, that can capture monsters. And you can each monster has their own skill that they can use, and you can use those skills without any cost to MP. Oh, that's so it's actually, actually really strong. Yeah, but it just depends on which monsters you catch. So, so it's essentially a blue mage. They're, they both sound kind of like blue mages, but that's interesting. Um, the there's some that can like negotiate. There's some that there's mm-hmm. like a dancer who can just like sway people to give her stuff. Yeah, so, so I saw tweets about this, and one of the tweets that I love, so there, there are two tweets that I loved about it. One of them was, um, uh, I love Octopath Traveler 2 because uh, during the day, I help this man reunite with his pregnant wife before uh, this, uh, and while they're giving over, and I help them facilitate, like, uh, like help them grow a family. Mm-hmm. And then at night, I went to rob him. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's one character who can rob people at night, yeah. and, like, there are characters who can, like, mug people in the daytime. There's, like, you can build stuff. Essentially, because their skills actually change day and night, too. Mm-hmm. Like, one character has a different skill during the day, one character has a different skill during night. Like, a card yeah. can challenge during the day, but he can bribe at night. Hmm. This is this is really interesting. You can change the day and night cycle, but just one click of a button, you can just change. Oh, you can change the day. That's amazing. There's one. Quest. So what's the, then? Then what's the point? Like, why not just spam it? So like, like there certain quests and stuff you actually have to use them. Kind of. There's one quest where like, <laughs> there's like you talk to this person. And he's just like, damn, I've been waiting for this person for a long time, and he hasn't come to my like the specified meeting time. And then you switch to night, and this person's like, damn, this person has been waiting for a long time. But you don't realize that there's actually two different people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you actually have to find the person, and I think you have to, like, knock him out. And then you switch to night, and then he's still there. And then the meet is like, oh, damn. That's funny. <laughs> had the wrong time the whole time. <laughs> that, that, that's funny. So I was just about to ask, like, if you can just do it on demand and just with a click of a button, what's the point of it being there? But if for situations like that, if there are a lot of those type of situations, there is, there is a lot. Mm, that there's makes one sense. Was like, there's one guy who's like, he doesn't wake up on time, right? He doesn't. He he keeps sleeping late. He can't sleep at night, so he doesn't wake up on time. So during the day, you have to knock him out, 
And then it fixed his sleep schedule by force. By force. And then the next day he's like, oh, I got such a good night's sleep. And then he wakes up on time. Uh, maybe that's what I should be doing. I got to I gotta get somebody to knock me out during the daytime. They don't tell you this stuff either. It's just like, it's just one piece of dialogue. You just have to have a character that whose special skills to knock yeah. people out. Yeah. And the, there's just like, <laughs> you could do it multiple different ways because you can, you can challenge someone. And then you can also soothe someone to sleep with another character so you can go about doing these side quests with a bunch of different characters mm-hmm. but uh, it's up to you to figure out how to do it because they don't tell you it is no explicit text telling you like oh maybe you should put this person to sleep to do it it's huh. like that's really interesting it's like okay this person not waking up he can't sleep maybe i should just knock him out <laughs> yeah <laughs> shit out of him and then <laughs> maybe he'll wake up on time <laughs> that is interesting like it definitely like with if, if the game is really that long I have to like sort of section off time to invest in it because I don't like the because I had a really bad habit and I still kind of have that habit of playing a game that I don't have enough time for to uh, to commit to it and then it never I drop it and then it's been so long that I can't really I don't feel like it I can go back to it I'd have to either start over but I don't want to start over so I never play the game so I don't want to do that for this but with so many games coming around the corner I don't know I might have to put it off to the side until there's like a big gap um, yeah, it is a really long game and uh there's a lot of grinding in it just because it's hard it's hard mm. right like there's one boss i fought it for 20 minutes and it took me 20 minutes to get the boss's health to 50 percent. like when it's that when it takes it that long i feel like maybe you're not like maybe there was some more optimal way to fight that boss that you weren't 100%, you didn't realize 100 mm. i also think i was under leveled mm-hmm. but i was too stubborn i was like because I, I kept spamming revive spells and uh, um, healing spells. I'm like, I'll, I'll just tank him out and keep fighting him, fighting him, fighting him, fighting him. But then it didn't work. I died. He killed me. <laughs> like, I, like, there was one move he did. It just knocked everyone out instantly. Shane Deckos had something uh, similar where there was this specific like side quest type thing where if you kill it, um, you know, it, it's like multiple like enemies that have like different elemental weaknesses. We got to kill them all, and then when you beat them all, they all merge into this big mega boss that killed me in like one hit like multiple times. And I remember, okay, so I feel very underleveled for this, but this guy's a bitch. I'm a fight him anyways, and I'm gonna keep doing it no matter how long it takes. I remember like. I remember somehow lucking out and like finding the optimal way to like move my characters around and get like certain things to like certain buffs to land at the exact moment in this exact same turn order that the debuffs are still not expired. Mm-hmm. And I managed to luck out a kill that I was super on the level for just because I was too stubborn to leave, come back later. Because yeah. I'm already here. No guarantee I'm coming back to this town uh, by like for the story. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to come here by chance. I got, I'm killing him or I'm not doing the side quest, so I've got to kill him. But yeah, it's it definitely took a, a lot of tries. Um, especially since I have to do those both of those phases uh, together each time. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, like if you, if you play classic RPGs, you know they're very unforgiving. Yeah. I think back in the day, it's, 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 back in the day, especially when they were... When JRPGs were hard by definition, like, you cannot be stubborn. You have to stop, grind, come back later. Yeah. Like... Otherwise, you would not play the game. But now, because I've gotten so used to like easier JRPGs, I was like, "No, I- I'm doing this." Chain Deckos, don't you dare! Like even bravely, like I have a few friends who like JRPGs, and I try them to get to play like Bravely Default, which is also very classic based and mm. can get hard. Um, they like they they just kept dying to the first boss, and they're like, "I couldn't figure out how to heal because 
in that game, you can either heal through um, potions or you have to go to like a um, like a hotel, right, mm. to heal. But they didn't know that. <laughs> really? So they yeah. just never healed? They just never healed. Because usually, like, if you hit, like, a save point, you can heal it in, like, RPG games. Not, yeah, not always, though. Yeah, but, like, some, it was yeah. funny. You know, just like, but, the, like, if you go into a boss fight unprepared, it's like, you can just, you'll know to spit you up. I feel like that's their fault. You know, you don't know how to buy potions? I feel like that's your fault. <laughs> you know, and so, uh, Shimigami Tensai bosses are hard. Like, the the first boss for SMT4, like, when you're, like, leaving the tower into get into Tokyo and stuff like that, that was hard. I think it was, like, the Medusa, or, like... It was, like, a Minotaur, I think. Yeah, that was... Something like that. That was, like, that's the... That was brutal. Like, it, it, like I remember playing it. Everyone I know who played the game was like, okay, this game is hard. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause it like it was like the the battles to it were already like okay this is actually a hard game like the random enemy battles were okay this is actually decent hard, but there was like and even though it started at the like the impression that this game is hard that's still that immense spike of difficulty mm-hmm. when it was already that high was insane and I don't think I've ever played an SMT game before other like not Persona obviously but like I've never played a proper SMT game other than uh, four mm-hmm. before that and. Man, I was like, I was impressed. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought maybe I was doing something wrong. I looked it up, like, no, these are naturally, these are supposed to be how they are. I'm like, okay, wow, like, I gotta give props. SM4, I think, did have difficulty, though. It had, did have a difficulty setting, right? Maybe, but I wasn't gonna go on easy. Yeah, yeah obviously. Octopath. I, yeah, I will say, I'm, I'm more open to the idea of going on easy mode just because games take a long time now. Yeah. Can I do that with Persona 5 Royale? Just because I played mm. it once already, yeah. I was just like, I don't want to spend yeah twenty hours grind. I think I said like you can because you can specify like you know extra experience mm-hmm. uh, like stuff like that. I think I did something similar when I was testing out, but I never obviously played for it. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy game as well. Um, I didn't play much of that um, yet. I'm, I ho- hopefully still on Game Pass or PlayStation Premium. I can play on either, but um, they have a similar thing in their settings or accessibility where you can straight up say enemies have more or less health like how much more experience and stuff do you get do you want like you know how useful do you want your teammates to be like you can set all that from the get-go and it's it's pretty impressive it's pretty great yeah um rpg has come a long way yeah there's a lot i still want to play like i have three games that i'm still going through right now just sitting on my tv shelf what is that there's ishin there's jedi there's a Jedi... Oh, the the broken game? Yeah. The game you should probably wait to play a little bit? It works fine on Xbox. PC, uh, PC <laughs> I've heard about it. PC is unplayable. Yeah. It's unacceptable that 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 anybody releases games... That, that they're allowed to release those games mm-hmm. instead of saying, hey, we're delaying the PC version uh, because it's not up to standards. Like, no, we're going to release it. We're going to let people pay $10 extra from what they're compared to, and then we're only going to talk about it and promise to fix it after people complain because it's not like it's not like game reviewers are talking about it yeah game reviewers are like i like this game this game is fun or no, this game is a bit repetitive uh does the game work on your pc how do you say that because <laughs> <laughs> even on console like it's it's the performance mode it still dips yeah, I had, um, I had a suggest, but it hasn't gotten to a point where it was unplayable. Mm-hmm. Apparently, HDR on PS5 just screws up the whole thing. Like, H, their EA is just telling people, if you're playing on PS5, don't turn on HDR. You Did you not catch that before the game came out? 
It's not even on 100 consoles. It's on PS5, it's on Series S and X, and it's on PC. That's it. <laughs> and the only one where it's perfectly playable is Series X. And maybe S, but Series S, like Series S is like really locked down. Mm-hmm. You can't play on any configuration on PC, and they're still blaming. Oh, it's it's very weird. If you have a really weird setup, yeah. as in yeah, like, and by cool. by weird setup we mean if you have a processor and a graphics card, then you might not work. But dude, no. They're saying like if you have an underpowered processor but an overpowered graphics card, there's some funny behavior that happens. Yeah, it's it's everybody who's having issues. It's not just those people. If you have a forty ninety, if, if your graphics card is too good, if you have too good of a computer, you're not gonna run our game properly. <laughs> How about you release a fixed game, dude? Like I'm like I'm not even looking forward to this game, and I've only been a PC gamer for like two three months right <laughs> and i'm not including this like steam deck time that i have and i'm like still like appalled mm-hmm. like this feels like when cyberpunk came out yeah where they intentionally released a broken game okay. of four consoles mm-hmm. and they knew it was broken because all the press releases only showed the pc version and they intentionally refused to show any ps4 footage mm-hmm. and all the reviewers that said hey you can review you can review our game but you're not allowed to use any of your own footage. We're going to provide the footage for your totally unbiased and uncolored review. And every reviewer except for one person went through with it. And the only reason we know about CZ Project Red's BS was because that one reviewer who said, no, screw that. I'll just delay my review. Is the person who said, hey, this is what they're pulling. Keep an eye out. Um, maybe don't pre-order games anymore. Game came out and it was the biggest disaster in gaming Maybe any game launch ever, right? But there are a lot. But tons of companies are allowed to get away with it if the issues localized to PC. Because I don't know, it's it's ridiculous. If you're charging money for a game that for a product that doesn't work, you should not be charging that money, or you should have the balls to say, "Hey, might not work on launch properly. We're going to fix it or delay the goddamn release." Because if you release it, that means you should. Release the game as is. You shouldn't need... Day one patches obviously will fix certain things. But if you're intending on releasing a game, getting people to buy it, and then have them wait a month to be playable, just release it after a month. Or give those people discounts. Or reimburse them in some goddamn way. Terrible. I hate these people. It's The whole video game industry now has gotten very hard now. Like I feel like video game development cycles have gotten so mm-hmm. exponentially long compared to before. They've gone so long, they're so expensive to make yeah. video games, and as, uh, like, you know, I, I was just complaining about the $10 increase. Obviously, those increases, like, those incredibly expensive video games have to be paid somehow. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you're going to release a broken game, like, you're doing yourself a disservice by saying, yeah, we need to increase games by $10 because the quality of the games are increasing, so the price of should increase. But the quality of the games are not increasing. If anything, they're getting worse. Yeah. That's what it feels it's, like. It's gotten to a point, like, if it if a game is going to take a long time to develop, don't announce it five years before it's... Don't do a Square Enix, yeah. Because then you're just setting yourself up for failure, because then if you have to delay the game, you're going to have mm-hmm. to announce it consistently. Like, yeah. Like, night, or kill the... Kill the Justice, Justice League, League. yeah. Got, got delayed like five times now. Yep, 2024 now. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of wild. I remember one, but that's the. So apparently, I I found this out. Twenty, it, it, just a Kill the Justice League was in development as early as 2014. 
Because yeah, because I, I was going through uh the the you were you remember the YouTube channel Two Best Friends Play, um like three out of four of them were game testers, so they had connections and they actually were like they were connections or they had game industry connections for unreleased games, and they were talking about on their podcast years ago about this Justice League game that uh, the Rocksteady guys are working on, twenty fourteen. Same. That's crazy. Sorry, not just like a Suicide Squad game. I mean, yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. Insane. Right. Like I remember when Bethesda they used to announce games like like Three a couple months? months before the game came out. Hey man, Hi-Fi Rush they announced it hours before the game came out. My my personal game of the year. Mm-hmm. In in yeah. an amazing game. That should be just more common now mm-hmm. because yeah, you can't expect people to wait two years for a game and then like either release a broken game or then have it delayed like four times, mm-hmm. which is drop so much hype for the game after yeah because like not not everybody is going to be diehard like us so like square enix does this consistently where they're going to announce a game they're going to give all this information to get you hype and then they're going to expect you to hold on to that hype for five years like this is like the versus 13 is like the most extreme of that type of yeah. thing but like when kingdom hearts 3 was announced and they're just mm. like yep they showed a small scene and they're like now in development that's good enough for you right that is in development like we this is not even a scene from a game we we just we had we had people work on this for three months for this one trailer. That three months of work is not going to the game. It's just that trailer. It's like if you're gonna do that, announce the game when you're yeah. Actually Don't tell us about the game through the development. You yeah, have to tell us. Yeah, because like then you're gonna get in the like uh, what's that uh, the platinum games game that got canceled by Microsoft scale the bound. Scalebound. Yeah, you should have told us until the thing was you knew it was ready to ship. But Microsoft must have been like they're very antsy, but like we need reveals that. Hey, there's that. There's Phantom Dust. Remember, they only gave that us that CG trailer that got people really excited, but then they canceled it anyways. And like Cyberpunk 2077, they had the first CG trailer how many years ago, right? Yeah. Like, but that was like one of those rare instances where the hype they were able to keep the hype up mm-hmm. until launch, to the detriment of the the consumers. Yeah. But it like, did get delayed a few times though. Cyberpunk mm. 77, remember? Yeah. It did get delayed, but uh, yeah, the delays had to yeah. do it. So, yeah, another reason why I do really appreciate Yoshi P is he's a very smart businessman because he's straight up like, Final Fantasy 16 has been in development for a very long time. We are intentionally telling you very late in development and the, whatever release date we tell you, there's not going to be a delay. And earlier in PAX East, he revealed the release date. Or no, he did, the release date was revealed in Game Wars, but he specifically stressed in PAX East, no delays! <laughs> Releasing on this date worldwide, no delays. And he strips like, there's going to be a game demo for sure. But we're not going to be dumb enough to release it early on where the hype's going to die down. No, we're going to release it right before the game launches out, so people are going to get more hyped, and the hype will stay up. If we release it too early, you guys aren't going to get hype anymore. Like, your, your, your hype's going to deplete. <laughs> Whereas other Square Enix, like, this thing would be like, oh yeah, we could totally release a demo of a build that's like three years old that is only bundled with another Final Fantasy game and then release the actual Final Fantasy fifteen two years later. You're going to get hype, right? You're still going to be excited. <laughs> like, I feel like Bethesda, even though they did, do, like, they're starting to announce games way too early now. Like, uh, remember like a couple years ago they announced Starfield, the first time they announced Starfield? That is Bethesda, yeah. That was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. They also did Elder Scrolls. That doesn't count. Elder Scrolls doesn't count. And they're like, yeah, we're going to work on it after no. Starfield. Yeah, Elder Scrolls doesn't count because that might as well be them saying, like, Square Enix can come out and say, hey, we're going to make a Final Fantasy 17. Of course they are. Mm-hmm. But it's not in development. All you're doing is, like, bolstering your conference, your E3 conference, because you feel like you don't have enough reels. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yes, Atlas is going to make a Persona 7. Yes, uh, there's going to be a Grand Theft Auto 6. Or sorry, uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto... Yeah, Grand Theft Auto 6. There's going to be that. There's going to be a Grand Theft Auto 7. These games are going to exist. But you can't count that as a reveal trailer if you until you give us more than a, the title of it. And the title is just that plus a number? No! You remember the Atlas game that was like sort of revealed that was like Project RE or something like that? They had that website for Yeah, it. I saw that. It had nice art, but then I'd never seen anything about that. Ever. Atlas has a thing where they they announce these project things, and then they turn into completely different games, but they don't sometimes tell us. So I wonder if that game turned into a different game. Most likely, or it could have been canceled, because it's one of those things where it's like it's so early in development, and all they had was concept art, but they're like, hey, get excited. Get excited. Uh, I think maybe the, if companies are publicly traded as well, they want their shareholders to be happy. Mm-hmm. They can only get their shareholders happy if they pump out, quote-unquote, release or reveals, right? Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it's a very business thing where it's like we have to keep investors excited. We have to make them think we're doing stuff. But if it wasn't for that aspect of it, I would totally be fine with just some releases or some years be like very light on reveals because if you don't have a lot to reveal it's going to seem like oh these guys got nothing in the works i mean microsoft people have been saying i've been certainly thinking it that they're they don't have much going on in terms of like first party or in terms of game support then they shadow dropped hi-fi rush day of and it's in a very stacked year Resident Evil 4 remake Mm -hmm. it's the perfect remake of a perfect video game and it's like if that should win game of the year 100% my personal favorite game of the year is Hi-Fi Rush Final Fantasy 16 is coming out Street Fighter 6 is coming out I'm so excited for those games Hi-Fi Rush is a very very high bar it is so fantastic it's like the epitome it's like the perfect epitome of a video game I I I love it. It's hilarious. The game came out, and then a week later, they announced that the guy who made it is leaving. <laughs> uh, Shinji Mikami. So he's he's kind of going like semi-retirement. Oh, okay. uh, but basically, he didn't make the game. Mm-hmm. I what I think was Hi-Fi Rush was sort of his like his last like oversight role because other people were like in charge of like the nitty gritty. He might have been like the final mm-hmm. approver or whatever. But I think my theory is like he saw Hi-Fi Rush. He's like, all right, these guys are in good hands. I can sort of like leave and like. You know, I think he might be doing his own studio by like his own little pace thing, because a lot of Japanese developers they leave their big established role and then they start off their own tinier studio mm-hmm. and then they do whatever they want at whatever slow pace they want. So I suspect because it's Shinji Mikami, he's like he's a legend. He was Capcom's golden boy, yeah. you know, for for such a long time. Um, and yeah, not all of the things he's released are perfect, but he he released Devil May Cry one. Mm-hmm. He did uh he did um. Wonderful One One. He did Resident Evil Two and Four, which are Resident Evil Two was already one of the best games of all time, and then Resident Evil Four was the best game of all time. Um, like he's he's earned his reputation as just like he can do whatever he wants at this point. Even like Hi-Fi Rush, it has a lot of identity you can tell from like Devil May Cry. Yeah, like a lot sure. of the combat is like Devil May Cry, but with rhythm, mm-hmm. like uh, rhythm game. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I definitely do want to see like going more into like the Devil May Cry and Bayonetta like the character act so it's like a rhythm action game for sure mm-hmm. I want to see rhythm character action where like you know how the combos are like you know X Y X Y and then the, he does that moves yeah. I want to see ones where it's like you do a certain one button command like back like hold back from lock on an X and then you do a launcher instead of launchers being like you have to do this combo to do a launcher mm-hmm. I want you to just do a launcher freely and do whatever combo you want with pure freedom that's how Devil May Cry and Bayonetta is typically yeah. 
that I'm really excited for, but I imagine that like doing that to the beat for every combo would be amazingly hard, like or impossibly hard. Yeah. But I do remember like starting Hi-Fi Rush, like before the even like I think when the combat starts, like you finally get the weapon and stuff like that. Like you can jump and double jump and everywhere. And like I keep going, like my gaming habits, I keep going around the corner, find this little hidden lines. Like, oh, there's no collectibles here. Like, you know, that's kind of weird because like in a video game, like in those pure ideal video games, you would imagine there would be collectibles there. And then you progress like 10 minutes later. Then there are those same collectibles I was looking for. They're all in the same corners that you expect. And it's like you turn this corner. It's like there better be collectibles here. There are collectibles there. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then you finish the level, and it's like, hey, you you checked every corner. You found all those collectibles. You got 80% of the collectibles. You missed 20% of them, even though you're super thorough. And then you're like, what? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I I love it. I thought it was great. It's it, like, I cannot, I cannot sing its praises mm-hmm. m- enough. Um, it's still mind-boggling that it was announced and released. On the yeah. It's crazy. Like... I want more of that, but that's hard. <laughs> it's it's definitely hard. Like, um, you can't do that with like a AAA game. No, uh, because you have to recoup those costs, and marketing is very significant. Like, yes, you're gonna lose money in marketing, but that's like the in, it's an investment to regain X amount. Uh-huh. Whereas Hi-Fi Rush, I guess, must have been on a lower budget because the game also released at a lower price. It wasn't the full ninety dollar release. I think it was only. Like 50 Canadian. If there was like a physical edition of the game. No, unfortunately not. Um, a physical edition would be amazing because you could have like the vi- like a vinyl type thing yeah. or like statues of the guitar yeah. with Chai holding like the guitar or whatever. Like a physical edition would be amazing like for collector's editions, but unfortunately not for yeah, Xbox. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like a it wasn't like a full game. It felt like, you know what? It, it was like one, the length. It was definitely short and I was able to beat it in two sessions. Uh, and they weren't like particularly long sessions either. Um, and it has a lot of replayability. Mm-hmm. I definitely would not have minded if it was like I feel like if it was a full ninety dollar game. Yeah, I I think that would have been fair. Like, I'm glad it's not because more people are are going to be able to play and enjoy it, and more people don't have to like wait a long time for a sale to be able to feel like it's justified. And there are obviously going to be people who complain, oh, this game's not hundred hours. How how dare you charge me ninety dollars? But I feel like this was a perfect length game. Yeah, it was really good. All right, be like, yeah, we don't die for a long time. <laughs> Hi-Fi Rush, perfect length game. How long is this? Uh, is this a podcast? Perfect length episode. An hour and thirty-four minutes. Like ten minutes of it. Ten minutes of it. Us talking. This is <laughs> this is the JRPG podcast sponsored by. A and W, get your 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 brew bar, uh, ice latte. No, this is a brew bar hot chocolate <laughs> that tastes kind of like Ovaltine. And your one dollar, pretty damn decent for one dollar, La Brew. Oh, that's no, French. Hold on, <laughs> brew bar ice latte. <laughs> I was like, oh, do they have different branding for their uh, coffee and their hot chocolate? This one says La Brew Bar, <laughs> not just Brew Bar. <laughs> Damn, they went a little bit fancy with the ice latte. Damn. Hot chocolate's just Brew Bar, but the ice latte. La, La Brew Bar. <laughs> so I know if we ever do get ad reads, I know I'm not going to ask you to. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I would be the best at ad reads. NW, give me Beyond Patties, please. I'm starving. He doesn't feed us. I have to go back in the cage after this. 
All right, before I end up getting myself caught in a worker, uh, worker's, uh, what was the word? Worker misconduct. No. Well, luckily for you, we're not workers. Awesome. We're just held against our will. You don't pay us at all. Okay, so I'm going to the podcast there. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider listening to our previous episodes if you guys are new. Uh, you can also follow us on our socials, uh, day one updates on both Instagram and Twitter. For as long as that Twitter is going to last, who knows? Yeah, day one updates. I need to Blue Sky. Mastodon, you got to get on that. Uh, Blue Sky, get us that Get us that Blue Sky invite, man. We got we to gotta find, find where the people are going. <laughs> Not where the kids are going, but like the, the adults who are starved for a decent social media platform. We got to find out where they're going. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, you can also reach out to us at email at dayoneupdatecast at gmail.com. That's dayoneupdatecast at gmail.com. And if you guys are listening on Spotify, we probably have a Q&A question up. But you can you can give us a response there. Let us know. I want to hear your responses. Um, <laughs> I can tell you about it later. There's a new feature. Um, I, I don't have Spotify, so I'm So the question I'm probably going to ask for this is, what's your guys' favorite JRPG game of all time? Or recent. Any. Just give me any list of JRPG games. I'm looking for recommendations. And if you're cool, the, the sub-question could be, what do you love more, Shadowbringers or Endwalker? Or, or Heavenward. If you're cool. Whoever's answering, please don't put Final Fantasy fourteen. Don't feed his... Don't feed... Feed me! I'm starved! I must be fed! Don't feed his addiction. Alright, thank you for listening. See you guys in the next time. Bye.